we are now able to get uh, uh, one piece of your skin and uh, transform that piece of your skin into brain cells. So I can have a piece of your brain without be, well, without the need of opening your skull, you know. And then we can uh, play with them, we can expose them to different psychedelics. So my talk during the, the conference We'll be showing uh, our results with uh, different psychedelics and uh, all of the proteins that are being altered by the psychedelics using this kind of uh, cellular model. Welcome to the Mindfulness Experience Podcast. We're an official media partner for the Psychedelic Science 2023 Convention. Today, I'm delighted to have Dr. Stevens Rahan as our guest. In this episode, we dive into Dr. Rahan's pioneering work with human brain organoids. These are miniature versions of the human brain grown in the lab. The state-of-the-art approach called reprogramming cells involves altering the characteristics of existing cells. Unlike cloning, reprogramming focuses on modifying cells, whereas cloning aims to create genetically identical copies of an entire organism or specific DNA fragment. This innovative method that Dr. Rahana and his team have developed study how psychedelics interact with human brain tissue, uncovering over a thousand proteins and neurons that actually change when exposed to various psychedelics. His findings offer a roadmap to understanding the complex pathways involved in the effects of psychedelics on the brain. Further, Dr. Rahan's groundbreaking research extends beyond psychedelics, investigating other areas, vital areas such as brain research or the impacts of viruses like the Zika, as well as the SARS-CoV-2 and diseases like Alzheimer's and schizophrenia. So I hope you'll join us as we explore the fascinating world of Dr. Stevens Rahan and his research discovering new insights into the untapped potential of the brain and its implication for psychedelics to help us really understand consciousness and opportunities for treatments of diseases, even aging. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Dr. Stevens Rayhand to the Mindfulness Experience Podcast. Hey, 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 I have Mr. Stevens Rahan here, and I wanted to sir, you know, first say thank you for joining us on the Mindfulness Experience Podcast. I'm very excited. We're very excited to have you here, and we're going to delve into your upcoming session at the Psychedelic Science 2023 Convention. So let's just kind of get started. Um, you know, for our listeners, they may not be familiar with your work. Um, they may not understand what you're doing or what your background is. So can you just kind of give us a sense as to what you're about, what you're doing in the field of psychedelic research and why you're at the convention? Sure. First, thank you very much for the opportunity to, to be here to talk to you. Uh, I am a biologist by with background in uh, neuroscience. And I usually uh, work with what we call uh, cell biology. So my first interest is to try to understand how the cells that form our bodies and our brain, mm -hmm. they behave. Mm -hmm. And I have been working with those kind of cells for more than 20 years. And uh, more recently, I'd say in the last 10 years, I started to uh, become more interested in the field of uh, psychedelics. 
especially because of, first of my brother, my youngest brother, he's an anthropologist mm-hmm. that uh, studies uh, psychedelics, more specifically mm-hmm. uh, DMT in the field of uh, ayahuasca. And mm-hmm. he's also uh, what we call in Brazil a uh, fardado, mm-hmm. who is part of uh, the Santo Daime church. Mm-hmm. And uh, I started to follow his work, to follow not only his, uh, his uh, scientific work, but also his uh, relationship with uh, Santo Daime, and I thought that would be something interesting to try to explore a little bit more. Mm. Besides that, I have some uh, friends from, from Brazil that they were already working I, uh, about ayahuasca mm-hmm. in Brazil with a different kind of uh, approach using uh, animal models, using human subjects. And then I thought that like the kind of uh, uh, expertise that uh, uh, my laboratory in Brazil has would be beneficial to try to explore a little bit more about the psychedelics, especially mm. about the mechanisms that are uh, that happen in the brain and the other parts of the body mm. after these cells are exposed to different psychedelics. Mm-hmm. So the Centro Daime Church, uh, this is a Religious Freedom Restoration Act church, and they also provide ayahuasca as a part of the sacrament, right? And because of your brother, you uh, and your work and your research, uh, this became a topic of interest for you. And uh, you've been doing this, you said, over five years. Is that correct? Actually, more and more. Uh, I would say ten years now. Ten years with psychedelics. Yeah. It's, oh it's, wow. It's start, okay. with, I, I started with uh, trying to explore a little bit more about the uh, NNDMT. That's the uh, psychedelic compound mm-hmm. of the brew ayahuasca mm-hmm. and then more recently i expand to other uh, psychedelics i just forgot to mention my the name of my brother is uh, lucas castrup and mm-hmm. uh, my my folks in brazil they are sedata ribeiro drolio raujo that actually is going also to present at uh, maps and uh, uh luis fernando toffoli all of these guys will be at maps so we are we we <laughs> We're very happy to have these Brazilian uh-huh. people there. <laughs> watch out, watch out. The Brazil is in the house. It's going to be good. Yes. That's great. <laughs> so uh, so just so we understand, uh, you know, when we start taking a look at your presentation, what is the topic of the presentation? What's the, what's the subject uh, specifically? Yes, uh, as I mentioned to you, we try to understand the uh, psychedelics in this uh, molecular and cellular level. Mm-hmm. To do that, what we we developed in the lab. So we uh, based on uh, research from several scientists among the, uh, all over the world. Mm-hmm. We are now able, I mean, the scientific labs, to get uh, uh, one piece of your skin mm. and uh, transform that piece of your skin into brain cells. Mm. So I can have a piece of your brain. Without mm. be well, without the need of opening your skull, you know, and so with that in mind, we are able now to have the cells growing wow. in the lab, including neurons and other cell types of the brain in the lab, mm-hmm. and then we can uh, play with them. We can expose them to different psychedelics. Mm-hmm. So my talk during the the the, the conference will be uh, showing uh, our results with uh, different psychedelics and uh, all of the proteins that are being altered by the psychedelics using this kind of uh, cellular model. So we basically showed more than 1,000 proteins being altered by psychedelics in the brain tissue 
using our uh, approach. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, I, I, I don't know if you remember, but I'm certainly old enough to remember the days of uh, Nancy Reagan saying, this is your brain, this is your brain on drugs. So you've, you've done the research, you can see what your brain looks like on drugs. So tell us, is there good news? Is it bad news? What, what's going on in the brain from a you know, from a neuroplasticity, from a neurogenesis viewpoint, what's happening in terms of, you know, the brain? I mean, how, how do you, what, what do you think? It's very interesting because this is actually one of the goals of the uh, approach that we developed in the lab. Of course, we have to keep in mind that there is lots of limitations about the conclusions that we can have when we are uh, studying uh, pieces of the brain that we developed in the lab, okay? But that said, what we we uh, showed so far is that, uh, for example, uh, hundreds of different proteins being altered and uh, involved mainly with uh, what we call neuroplasticity and also inflammation. Hmm. So we see proteins. So basically, basically, what we 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 study is the amount of proteins present in the different cells of the brain mm -hmm. after the cells are exposed to psychedelics. Hmm. And depending on the amount, some of them go up, some of them go down. And this combination of the proteins that will give us an idea about what's happening inside the brain mm -hmm. after being exposed to different psychedelics. And uh, our conclusion is that uh, when you think about neuroplasticity, we are able to track different pathways that we pathways is basically the this uh, kind of uh, information that happens in the cell depending on the, how they are like a neural uh, net like a neural network. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But it happens within the cells, but then depending on the behavior of those cells, they are going to uh, differently uh, behave with this uh, network that you just said. Hmm. So we we saw, for example, that like uh, if you get uh, LSD, we are able to uh, improve a little bit uh, one specific pathway associated with uh, neuroplasticity mm -hmm. that is called uh, mTOR. We also show that, for example, with another compound that's in this case present in the ayahuasca, that's not technically a psychedelic, that's called harmine. We show that like we can uh, play with one specific and very important enzyme that has a role in uh, neurodegenerative disease such as Alzheimer. And mm -hmm. uh, we also uh, showed now using 5-methox-DMT uh, uh, a huge uh, change in the uh, signaling pathway associated, for example, with uh, inflammation and also neuroplasticity. So this kind of uh, approach that we developed can give us these uh, specific clues and a lot of information about different psychedelics. Of course, with this kind of uh, uh, answers that we have, we have to be very careful about the conclusions and, of course, have to validate it in, in other mod models, including, of course, uh, uh, human beings and not only pieces of the brain in the lab. Hmm. So uh, very interesting. So you've, you've actually seen the pathways with certain psychedelics, LST, ayahuasca, 5-MeO-DMT, uh, the whole uh, uh, range. But the neurogenesis aspect, the uh, being able to go ahead and reverse um, degenerative neurodegenerative diseases like Alzheimer's, that's amazing. That's, I mean, and that's been, is the research ongoing? Does, you, does it require a heroic dose? What is it, what, what is the process or the pathway? Because it sounds like 
when we start getting into the design of these uh, psychedelics and the um, uh, use of them in a in a you know in a clinical setting that there's incredible opportunities to go ahead and help individuals not only reverse you know neurodegenerative issues but also to open up neural pathways and consciousness yes everything that you just said it's basically the final goal for everybody that's studying the psychedelics mm -hmm. but we are missing a little bit of the basics about how the substances interact with uh, the, the the brain tissue mm. so as as you, you just said uh, we have some clues regarding uh, the effect of the psychedelics or the ayahuasca brew into mm. these this brain cells. Mm. But uh, uh, we need to know exactly, or at least in terms of the, the, it's important to know these basics in order to really create better clinical trials and eventually better applications. Because depending on the, the psychedelic, and it's, of course, it's not work from my lab, but there are lots of wonderful works just happening in the, in the last uh, months about the psychedelics that, for example, the effect of the psychedelic depends on the specific receptors of mm -hmm. serotonin. Some of them that seems to be in the membrane of the cell, some of them seems to be inside the cell. And it makes a mm. completely different on the response mm. of the cells depending on the location of these receptors. That's basically where the psychedelic interact with. Mm -hmm. More than that, a very recent paper mm -hmm. from a group in Finland is also showing that like it's not only the serotonergic receptor that matters, mm -hmm. but also receptors associated with what we call uh, neurotrophic effect. Mm -hmm. So trophic comes from the Greek uh, food. So uh, it's some kind of food for neurons. And mm -hmm. it's related, with, for example, with Alzheimer, mm -hmm. uh, with uh, mental disorders like schizophrenia. Mm -hmm. And uh, now what this group is showing is that the psychedelic is able to uh, activate specifically this uh, receptor of mm -hmm. one of these uh, neurotrophins that the neurotrophin is called, this one is called BDNF, that's mm -hmm. brain-derived neurotrophic factor that activates one receptor that's called track B. Mm -hmm. And it's very important because it makes uh, uh, the, the spectrum of the uh, effect of the psychedelic much broader. Mm -hmm. So this kind of uh, assay that this other group developed together with the one that we're developing can give us better clues about where to go. Because one mm -hmm. thing that it's important to realize that eventually the uh, use and the application of the psychedelic is going to be beyond the effects mm -hmm. related with uh, trying to heal uh, depression or traumas, but could be eventually applied for uh, some kind of inflammation that's actually mm -hmm. very mm -hmm. connected also with depression and with mm -hmm. Alzheimer's. So mm -hmm. all of this basic phenomenon that we see in the cells mm -hmm. have consequences for the uh, behavior and for the disease. Mm -hmm. But we need this more basic models to try to understand it a little bit, a little bit more. So I'm getting very excited about the results that we have, mm -hmm. but of course we need more. There are more people working on that and we are very happy about this, about being part of this uh, psychedelic renaissance, mm. but in this more uh, cell biology kind of uh, approach. Mm. It's very interesting because, you know, when we, and uh, I, I want to get into this uh, term that you use, organoids, and uh, when we start taking a look at cell, cellular biology and really start to understand that many of these compounds are already found within the body and they 
help uh, in some way to reconnect us, to open ourselves up to, um, you know, whether or not it's consciousness or to uh, provide some homeostasis in the body, whether or not it's inflammation or whether or not it's, you know, just a, a sense of the biogenesis or the interconnectivity, the neural network. Let me ask you uh, about that. And uh, you use this term, uh, human brain organoids. Uh, can you explain what they are and how they differ from other models used in neuroscience? Sure. This is basically a one uh, revolution mm -hmm. in the field. Uh, I will I will start actually actually with the work of one uh, Japanese uh, scientist that's called Shinji Yamanaka. In oh, 2006, wow. mm -hmm. 2007, he was the person, and together with one of his colleagues in Japan, that was uh, able to get this piece of the skin and mm -hmm. make this piece of the skin become a, a, a brain or actually become a one cell that's able to give rise to any part of the of the body mm -hmm. so uh, it happens only when we are embryos during mm -hmm. the, the our development we are we are still inside the our mm -hmm. mothers that like we have this ability or this capacity to give rise to different cell types when mm -hmm. we get old we can't for example get one piece of the screen of the skin and make it uh, become a, a brain cell or a heart cell mm -hmm. with this technology now it's possible to mm -hmm. get one of your old cells and your old cell mm -hmm. will basically go back in time and we will uh, uh, start to have the same memory as you, you had when you were an embryo. Mm. So, so I mean, so it can help me with my wrinkles? I'm, I'm, I'm just... Yeah, <laughs> no, no. We, you know, hey, why? No, you're totally right. There, there are several groups trying to use this kind of approach to create new uh, applications related with the re regeneration of mm. different parts of the body, mm -hmm. including uh, creating, for example, organs for transplantation. Mm -hmm. for, so it, it's uh, it's huge and it, it's happening. But besides that, and uh, I would say 10 years ago, yes, it was mm -hmm. uh, 2013, one group in Austria mm -hmm. started to get those cells from this uh, reprogrammed cells, the cells that were derived from the skin and now mm -hmm. can give rise to any part of the body and they start to give them clues, or, uh, clues, right? When you yeah, clues, yeah, yeah, yeah. Clues, to, to to make them uh, try to create the the brain mm. again. So mm. uh, and then you create this uh, small uh, pieces of the brain that can go up to uh, a few millimeters that mm -hmm. have different cell types that they are present in the real brain. Of so I the, so the, I just want to stop you for a second. So because I, I'm sure people are wondering like when you talk about creating brains i mean are we talking about like real brains or we're we talking about the signaling pathways that might replicate or be similar to the brain um uh, because we're not talking about like you know you take my scan and then all of a sudden you create a brain and you know this sounds like you know uh, uh, this sounds like uh 2000 not what, what was that what was that uh hg uh, uh, wells film where he goes to the future you know, and all there is is a brain in a in a tube. I mean, what what are we what are we talking about here? I mean, you know, is it not a real brain, but it it uses the pathways? Can you explain that a little bit more? Yeah, and it, it's an, an excellent question because the technical term is brain organoid. Mm -hmm. So organoids, I would say, it's a small organ. Mm -hmm. Of course, like a, when you think about the brain, the brain has 
1.86 billion neurons. Mm -hmm. When you think about this uh, brain organoid, we are talking about like uh, 5 million to 10 million uh, brain cells. So the scale is completely different. Of course, there are lots of, uh, it, it's, it's hard to compare, but uh, uh, if you think about the available models to study the brain, this is one that's the, the mm -hmm. uh, closest to, to the real brain. So it's a but facsimile of the brain. It's a facsimile of the brain. It's not a real brain, right? Yeah, it depends on how you define what a brain is. Because when you get like this brain organoid, you have the neurotransmitters that are important for the function of the brain. You have the different cell types that are important for this for the function of the brain. But of mm -hmm. course, as you know, as we know, uh, the brain alone is not is nothing, right? You need the body because mm -hmm. with the body you can have the sense you see you hear and they, of course nothing of this happen happens in the in the brain organoid so can you walk us through the process of creating these sort of mini brains and and uh from your you're also creating them from urine cells is that is that is that right and how long does it take and what are some of the challenges you face during that process i mean it's not like I'm going to go ahead and take a piece of my scan, go out to the garage and, you know, set up a little, you know, uh, a, a little incubator to do it myself. I mean, there's there's a process here. It's got to be very what, what, what's involved with this. I mean, this is this is amazing. Yeah, I, I will tell you, and uh, please uh, stop me if, if I get too technical in, yeah, the, in, the, in okay. the description. Yes, as I mentioned to you, we can uh, get uh, cells from the skin, but we also can get cells because when we go to the, to the restroom and we pee, mm -hmm. uh, there are some cells that detach from our from our inside body, and these cells they are epithelial cells. Mm -hmm. So we developed this technique because we work uh, not only with health patients but also with patients with different diseases. Mm -hmm. For example, we work with very old patients that have mm -hmm. Alzheimer. Mm -hmm. We also work with uh, children that have very severe uh, epilepsy. Mm -hmm. So, and then to have a biobank with mm -hmm. th these different cell types from those patients, and then from then that we create these brain organoids. And now, how you do that? As I mentioned to you, we use this technique that was developed by Yamanaka to make these cells from the skin or from epithelial cells from the urine to uh, go back in time and uh, behave mm -hmm. as embryonic cells. Mm -hmm. And these embryonic cells, Depending on the kind of a of a formula that you give to them, of the uh, mix of some clues, we can make them uh, become uh, neurons. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's basically like cloning what we're doing here, right? I mean, it's uh, cloning from a cell and, and creating another 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 part. Yeah. Yeah, we are. Uh, you're right. We are cloning one specific part. Mm -hmm of mm. the of that person that mm -hmm. donate to us the cells of course we can't clone a, a human being mm -hmm. but uh we can uh, clone as using the term that you just defined now uh, one specific part of the, of the of mm -hmm. the body and mm -hmm. uh in my my lab in brazil uh, my lab is located in the door institute for research and education in rio de janeiro and there we uh, specialize ourselves on creating this brain cells specifically there are other groups in Brazil and in other parts of the world, they're, they're creating different uh, cell types. But we mm -hmm. we learned it and uh, we apply the technology to create this this brain cells. Yeah. And to grow, mm -hmm, go ahead. I was just going to ask you, you, you had mentioned that your research identified thousands of proteins and neurons. 
and that you know they change when they come into contact with different psychedelics right can you give us some example of these proteins and their potential significance and understanding the the brain functions you know um because i i know you talked about lsd ayahuasca and uh 5-meo dmt but i'm just wondering um what is the if you postulate this and obviously you're a scientist i you know you're the hypothesis can you give us a sense of you know how what's the significance of this sure yeah i'm just going to, to mention sure. to, to sure. answer your other question that sure. like to create these organoids takes uh, sometimes three to four months oh there so you after go. that okay. so, yeah, thank you so Sorry after that, that no no so after that period that like we are able to, to have this uh this and, 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 and we can do at the same time hundreds of these uh brain organoids and then we play with them and then we challenge them with different psychedelics and then we try to understand the molecules or the proteins that are being altered after after that so mm-hmm. and then and, and you you made again one very important question okay what does it mean what do we want with that what right. we want is in that like as i mentioned to you we identified more than 1000 proteins mm-hmm. but we do like to, to to understand if there is one specific signature mm-hmm. for each psychedelic mm-hmm. so we know that like uh, by experience and by description that like not it, not all of the all of the psychedelics they are the same right mm-hmm. the the effect the subjective effect and the effect uh, this physiological effect is it can be a little bit different mm-hmm. in the right. of course depends on the person but also the depends set on the, setting the, compound. And the integration yeah mm-hmm. yeah exactly but if we think uh in terms of the proteins in terms of the molecules in terms of the cells it also can can be different mm-hmm. so we're interested to try to understand for example if uh, lsd and uh, psilocin for example mm-hmm. if they uh, have the same kind of effect related mm-hmm. with inflammation mm-hmm. maybe they don't Mm-hmm. And this is the, the the beauty of the the approach that we we mm-hmm. we can do. We can try to we can answer or we can ask and try to answer mm-hmm. if the effect of the LSD, the effect of five uh, mu DMT, or the effect of DMT, they are really comparable. Mm-hmm. Of they are different when you think about neuroplasticity, when you think about inflammation. That's the main uh, uh, subjects that we interested to. To work with, mm. so the, the the what we we would like to to be able to show in a, a long term is that like to create signatures that would help us to understand the biologic bio, biological effect of the psychedelics. But more than that, uh, also to try to uh, help if new psychedelics become available, if mm-hmm. new molecules become available. We mm-hmm. we do, you don't know, and we have to create new tools to try to understand better not only the classic psychedelics but the other also the, the new ones that can can uh, come mm-hmm. soon. So you know, it sounds uh, for for those people who are listening that aren't familiar with any of this stuff or might just you know enjoy the high or the the non ordinary state that they move into. Obviously, within the uh, from the viewpoint of human brain or organoids. You're not really, you know, taking into account the set setting and the, uh, you know, background or any of the information specifically. You're looking at the biological, the neurological impact specifically from a scientific viewpoint, and then you're doing this cloning, this this creating, if you will, from the scan, uh, the uh, opportunity for these brain organoids, and looking at the impact of different psychedelics.
psychedelics. So it sounds for those people who are not familiar with the science around that or not comfortable, if you will, it sounds a little, you know, Frankensteinish, you know, and I'm, I'm wondering, um, you know, what are some of the ethical considerations you and challenges that you face when working with, you know, brain organoids and how do you address them in your research? Yeah, everything that we do mm -hmm. should be approved by ethical committees. Mm -hmm. So there's nothing that we do that like uh, it's not uh, have uh, this this kind of approval. And of course, like when you mention cloning, people would think about cloning a, a person. Mm -hmm. We right. are not doing that. We are basically creating pieces of the body mm -hmm. based on cells that came from the skin of, of, of people. So mm -hmm. we are very uh, concerned and very aware about the importance of the at ethics in this kind of approach and as you also mentioned there's lot of lots of limitations in the in our approach we mm -hmm. of course can't put into uh, the, the 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 experiment the setting setting kind mm -hmm. of things mm -hmm. uh, of course we're missing lots of the uh the, the interaction of the different parts of the body in the when you think about the effect of the psychedelic we are basically getting one small and tiny piece of the brain tissue that we developed in the lab and mm -hmm. ask what happens with this tissue depending mm -hmm. on uh, the, the psychedelic that it has been exposed mm -hmm. to. Mm -hmm. So that's it. Mm -hmm. So so what's been the biggest sort of mind-blowing thing, if you will, based on a specific, has has there been a, uh, you know, kind of a aha or an awe moment where, you know, you used a psychedelic and you looked at the impact you know, was it with LSD you know, or was it with a more, you know, natural compound, let's say ayahuasca, looking at DMT, which is the activation there, uh, or psilocybin for that matter, as you mentioned, you know, can you give us some insight to that? And, you know, um, and, and I'll just add on to that. There are a lot of uh, biopharma companies that will be at the convention. You know, there are a lot of scientists, researchers like yourself, companies that are going there and are looking at not only the psychedelic impact of, you know, psychedelics, whether or not it's, you know, lab LSD or psilocybin or, or the derivatives of psyllium, you know, looking at the opportunities to, 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 to take these, like, um, you know, just, just take these compounds without the non-ordinary states and use them as a way to, you know, really help uh, treat things like Alzheimer's or or aging or other areas. So I'm just wondering what your sense of this is, because you're dealing with a very specific, you know, use case that's not about people specifically, but is about the impact of these, you know, of these organics in one case or the, you know, a, a lab created modules or uh, molecules like LSD um that really do have some potential yeah no uh i'm very this is when i was listening to your question i, I just uh, realized once again that i'm very happy to be to be alive in this mm. uh, moment of the history because uh we uh, followed what happens in the 60s and the, in the 70s lots of very interesting uh papers lots of interesting research that was then prohibited for a while and uh, nowadays we are having lots of the same questions but with better technology mm -hmm. so being able now to explore 
the effect of the psychedelics using using these new uh, technology technologies can make us uh, understand much better about mm -hmm. their impact. Mm -hmm. So uh, one thing that like really excites excites me is the fact that like we started with this kind of uh, with the psychedelics based on hundreds of years of the experience uh, among different uh, human beings, and now we are able to dissect the effect of psychedelics or mm -hmm. even separate as you said for example the uh, the psychedelic effect from the effect on neuroplasticity from the effect on uh, inflammation and uh, among several other uh, possibilities so it's very interesting for for us but i i would say that like it's again still based on the approach that you use limited but can eventually be very important for the for uh the, the, the clinical point of view, because we can help to uh, define other applications for the psychedelic that goes beyond uh, the treatment of uh, depression or, or uh, post-traumatic stress disorder. Maybe there are many more possibilities that with this kind of approach, and again, respecting the ethical part, because we are not dealing directly with the human beings, we're dealing with uh, cells and culture that can help us to do many more experiments that would be even possible with uh, human beings at the moment, without, of course, having any kind of uh, risk for for anybody. Mm -hmm. Well, Stevens, this is uh, really very, very exciting, as you say. And I'm, I'm looking at you know, what you're doing and the future of uh, brain organoid research. And I'm just wondering, you know, at this convention, from your view, not only the work that you've done, but maybe other work that you see and breakthroughs that you see in terms of applications, you know, where do you think this is going in the coming years? You have a, I mean, if we forget the law, forget the, you know, uh, but I think the research itself and the opportunity to really have a pharmaceutical you know a biotech revolution uh it sounds like you're really at the cusp of the wave here so i'm i'm wondering where you see things going and what you've seen in the you know in the industry if you will sure yeah now uh, i'm right now uh, talking from uh, madison wisconsin i'm also associated with uh, the Arizona institute so like uh, I'm just seeing lots of uh, new opportunities based, based on, on, on that. So uh, the first thing that I see is, again, the possibility of using this kind of approach to uh, screen faster for new effects of psychedelics, but also uh, for a new uh, types of psychedelics. And when I think specifically about the brain organoids, something that like we're starting to, to, to delve into is the fact that like we can put these brain organoids in a plate and then we can sense the electric electrical activity of them mm -hmm. so there's for example other groups not not ours but they are basically considering to try to understand consciousness mm. into these pieces of the tissue so mm. uh, you ask me to 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 think about the future mm -hmm. so i would say that like in the future we have this uh, approach using the brain organoids that's going to be much more sophisticated and much more close to what really happens inside the, the, the brain, in which we can map this brain activity and try to understand if uh, different psychedelics, how they change this electric, electrical activity that we use uh, machines nowadays to, to, to observe this in real human beings. 
But if you can do it the same in the lab, we could, again, speed up a lot about the research in this field. Hmm. So um, it's it's very, I mean, it's fascinating to me uh, because, you know, what, what what's also fascinating is the, um, you know, the sacred use. I mean, if we go back to the Elysian mysteries and we look at, you know, like, I, I don't know, 1500 years, you had people coming together using ergot and, uh, you know, which is the com compound uh, for LSD. Uh, and then you look at today in this uh, revolution of science, it's very interesting to me where it, all of this is going because this convention is going to bring together so many scientists, so many researchers, so many doctors, but it's also going to have so many people who are involved in the sacred aspect of it looking at that sacred quality, and then also have some people who just from a recreational viewpoint think this is a, you know, this is a lot of fun and why not, you know, why not have some fun together and why not uh, play? So I'm, I'm wondering if you can uh, maybe share any antidotes or uh, from your own personal experience or your own journey uh, with, uh, you know, um, looking at psychedelics and um, from a mindfulness viewpoint, what are some of the considerations that we need to be really mindful of as we start approaching the science as, you know, and maybe, you know, I use the word cloning. So, you know, a lot of people have issues around that. We talk about the church, the sacred aspects of it. A lot of people will have issues around that. But what are your thoughts about that? I don't want to you know, kind of lead you, but uh, I, I, I am very interested in your view since you're so into, you know, the, the weeds on this. I mean, you're really right into, let's look at the impact. Sure. Uh, this is actually one of the things that make me more excited about this field because it's uh, multicultural and uh, with uh, lots of different knowledges getting together. And uh, as I mentioned to you in the beginning of our talk, I started to get interested in this field, not because of the hard science that could be eventually involved, but because of the experience of my brother as an anthropologist and as a fardado of the, the Santo Daim. So uh, one thing that like, was very important for the scientists is that like they don't have the truth. Hmm. The truth comes from the mix of uh, mm -hmm. knowledge. And uh, this kind of meeting or conference that provide us with this opportunity. This will be my third MAPS. I was there in 2013, 2017, and now will be my third one. So I'm very excited about this because we learn a lot. And uh, when you go to a more technical kind of uh, conference, it's, mm -hmm. it's not only a little bit boring comparing with the, with <laughs> the, 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 the MAPS, but more than that, we really, uh, of course, it, they are very important uh, and I, I enjoy them as well. But uh, on the other hand, like we learn basically the same track. When you mm. go to, to, to one uh, event like that, we are mixing cultures, we are mixing perspectives and we are learning to be humble and also to uh, have completely different insights. So the best insights that I had regarding psychedelics, they are not coming specifically from my field. Mm -hmm. from the from my peers mm -hmm. but comes mm -hmm. from people that are seeing this whole movement from a different perspective mm -hmm. and this is what's really grateful and this is why i'm really looking forward once again this year 
Uh, it's going to be it's going to be great. You had mentioned something, um, and you know we can maybe uh, talk a little bit more uh, about this. But maybe it's a final kind of conversation because you've really been involved with quite a quite a bit here. But you know, how do you hope that your work with psychedelics and brain organoids will contribute to the broader scientific community's understanding of consciousness uh, and the development of new treatments? For neurological disorders, you um, you know you talk about consciousness, you talk about neurological disorders. So I'm just wondering, you know, what does that look like for you? Well, I I acknowledge the limitation of the approach that I decided to work with. I know that the brain organoids are not going to answer everything regarding psychedelics or any other field, but I think that they can give us a little bit of contribution, especially when you mix with the other uh, discoveries in the field from different uh, perspectives and from different uh, lines of research and the experience and anthropology and the, from the Indians and 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 everything. So I, I truly believe that like with the improvement of the technology associated with the use of those cells, we can have wonderful uh, discoveries in the near future. And uh, this is basically why I'm so excited and basically focus all of my energy in terms of my laboratory to explore in the next years. Mm -hmm. Well, it's uh, it's really uh, fantastic. And if uh, anyone um, wants to get involved, uh, you know, in this in this particular area, uh, do you see the future of, um, you know, that we're really at the beginning here? And, uh, you know, is this a, an area that uh, you know, aspiring people that are looking at psychedelic research and looking at the, you know, human brain organoids. Is this is this a particular area that you'd advise them to get involved with? Or are there other areas that you might, you know, move them towards? Yeah, I have I have, of course, a bias regarding this area, but mm -hmm. I, I am I really believe that like we could uh, advance much faster our knowledge about psychedelics if we uh, incorporate more this kind of uh, uh, approach that are being used to study cell biology in general. We still have uh, lots of uh, basic questions to learn regarding the uh, effects of the psychedelics that this kind of approach using cell biology, using neuroscience in this more basic kind of, uh, of uh, uh, spectrum can uh, help. So I really encourage People that like the young scientists or anybody that like to uh, in, get into this field to pay attention to the uh, work uh, related with uh, this we call induced pluripotent stem cells or iPS cells and mm -hmm. the brain organoids and everything around this area. I think that like uh, more people interested in applying this kind of approach to understand neuroscience and the psychedelics is going to be very important. Now, I just want to backtrack just a second and not let you go just yet, because one of the things that's very interesting is you also explore the impacts of viruses like Zika and SARS, COV2, uh, as well as diseases as Alzheimer's and schizophrenia. Um, I'm wondering, do you see the coalescence of, of this, of the psychedelics there? I mean, can you share some of your findings, maybe? you know, how they've contributed uh, uh, to helping some of those areas. And, and you know, SARS is, that was the precursor for COVID, right? Isn't it? Yeah. Yes, yes. 
this this is the beauty of the model. Uh, we can use these cells to explore basically any aspect of the any human disease. So uh, a few years ago, we uh, were the first uh, group in the world to show how the Zika virus was uh, destroying the developing brain. Mm. We use it organoids to do that, and we publish a paper in Science with this kind of approach. And because of the COVID, and especially when you think about the impact that COVID had uh, all over the world, and especially in Brazil, unfortunately, we uh, my, my institute is connected to a, a, a huge network of hospitals in, in Brazil. So we were very exposed to that. And then we, we have to, to be uh, engaged to try to understand what was going on. So use the same kind of approach to understand a little bit more, and especially to try to uh, validate new compounds that could uh, reduce the inflammation caused by by COVID. Mm -hmm. And uh, of course, I, I, I see in the near future to try to explore the same models and mm -hmm. the effect of the psychedelics on them. Mm -hmm. So we, we have uh, uh, cells from patients with uh, uh, what we call familiar Alzheimer. So mm -hmm. we know that these cells they developed uh, various aspects of Alzheimer in our uh, in these brain organoids. So one thing that actually we just started to do is to see if different psychedelics can reduce the formation of these uh, different uh, aspects of the Alzheimer that we see in our cells and with with the, the, the psychedelics the idea is that they're going to be reduced so again this kind of model help us to try to mix things that are uh, going to be much more difficult to do in the real people mm. well it's uh, it's fascinating again the idea and the confluence of uh, being able to examine uh, the interactions of what goes on in the brain not only from the viewpoint of psychotherapy but, you know, and we've seen some breakthrough therapies, not only with MDMA, but now we see with, you know, breakthrough therapy use uh, with uh, psilocybin, certainly in terms of legalization. We've got legalization in Oregon and uh, in uh, Colorado as well. And of course, in Australia, uh, you know, it's totally legal. And I know, uh, uh, you know, Ben Sessa and uh, Dr. Ben Sessa, and he's going down there to do some training. So there's just a, a lot of a lot of work that uh, you know is going on, and we're really at the beginning, and it's fascinating. Um, I want to thank you again, Mr. Stevens Rehan, uh, for sharing your insights and expertise with our audience. I really look forward to hearing uh, more about you know what you're up to at the Psychedelic Science Convention uh, and the ongoing advancements in your research. How would people find out more about you? about USANA and uh, about the work that you're up to and uh, how would they get in touch with you? I, I know that you're on LinkedIn, but are there other pathways? Sure, yeah. Uh, I really would like to thank you for the opportunity. It was great to talk to you. I just forgot to, to acknowledge and to thank uh, all of the uh, people that helped with the work. I, For example, as I mentioned to you, we have USANA, we have also Beckley Foundation. Mm -hmm. involved with part of our work. We have the Door Institute in Brazil. We have uh, the Uzona here in the US. So I'm really grateful with the people that believe in the work that I'm doing. So I, I, I use Twitter a lot. So mm -hmm. Twitter could be one, one, one way to, to interact with me. Uh, we have the website of uh, Uzona. We have the, I have uh, my website. That's basically Stevens Rehan, all together. Mm -hmm. And uh, a wonderful website, it. wonderful website as well. You know, I, I appreciated the, I appreciate oh, Thank you. <laughs> yeah. 
So I think that uh, with, with that uh, people can 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 find me. <laughs> good, good, good. Well, I'm I'm really looking forward to uh, your session there. I again want to thank you for being a part of the mindfulness experience and a part of the you know psychedelic science 2023 convention and maps. Uh, I am uh, myself a, uh, a psychedelic assisted therapy provider, uh, IPI MAPS trained, and uh, you know I uh, really am excited to uh, uh, see all the things that are happening. So it's it, it's it's just exciting. So uh, thank you, thank you very much for being here. Thank you, thank you, my pleasure. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Mindfulness Experience Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe and leave us a review. We have other exciting guests coming up in the next few weeks, so stay tuned. For more mindfulness tips and tricks, visit our website at workmindfulness.com. Thanks again for being a part of the Mindfulness Experience. This is Keith Fiveson.